Utopia Planitia goodness, and as promised, we are back with another episode of Continuing Conversations, which will be focusing on Chapter 4 of the Utopia Planitia book, all the goodies of starships that 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 are now replete in this book. I'm Michael Dismuke with uh, Continuing Conversations, also a blogger on Continuing Missions, which is the number one fan site for Star Trek Adventures RPG. I'm also a freelance writer for Modiphius in the Star Trek adventures line jim let's go ahead and introduce yourself and then go back to our special guests for today sure thing i'm jim johnson i'm the project manager and line editor for the star trek adventures rpg published by modifius entertainment co-host of this show always happy to be here with michael and our guests tonight thomas maroney and aaron palaya thomas why don't you introduce yourself yay yay darn it oh i always <laughs> get it wrong that's okay, okay. that's I okay remember I got Maroney right, but I got Polier <laughs> wrong. Dang it. Uh, all right. Go ahead, Thomas. Sorry. Oh, that's fine. I'm, uh, I'm uh, Thomas Maroney. I'm the Associate Art Director of Star Trek Online. And um, I have been drawing starships since I was uh, probably, you know, like eight years old. <laughs> um, and that culminated recently into some of the ships that I designed and modeled actually showing up in Star Trek Picard Season 2. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's certainly been a long road getting from there to here. But uh, for my day job, I also get to play with starships um, uh, uh, overseeing the art team for for Cryptic Studios' massive multiplayer game, Star Trek Online, and I was lucky enough to contribute some of those ships to uh, Utopia Panisha. Now, Thomas, you know we have a rule here that when you say a certain line, you actually have to sing the song. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long road. Oh, exactly. Good. You hold the tune better than don't, I do. Don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it at karaoke one day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what, we need. That's what we need, Michael, is a musical episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do plan every, I do plan to have an episode where we showcase everyone's op- show openers. So we'll talk about that later. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Aaron. Go ahead, Aaron. Sorry. And I'm Aaron Pellier. I'm kind of the Starship guy for Star Trek Adventures plus science, technology, that kind of thing. I've been a, a freelance writer for Modifius on the Star Trek Adventures line since the beginning. Uh, I'm... Uh, a star, starship uber geek let's put it that way yeah for those of you who, who tuned in you you heard the history <clears throat> on one of our former uh podcasts about how aaron had pretty much written this book uh you know six years ago five years ago yeah all this information on on planets or on on starships and finally dream come true where we're utopia planitia i have to ask just because you know i keep up on social media i know jim you do too thomas i have a question for you because you're in touch with the sto crowd the star trek online crowd which I think at my last check had like 779,000 people who who touched that game at some point. What are you hearing right now about the Utopia Planitia book? Any interesting buzz? Yeah, I mean, we've got people who are excited about the lore. They're certainly excited about seeing STO ships branch out into other places, you know, with um, between Picard and and uh, Star Trek Adventures. Um, it's, uh, it's exciting for people who've invested um, a lot of their own time and sort of fandom energy into Star Trek Online to see that um, 
being rewarded by uh, having uh, like, oh, there's the Odyssey or the Gagarin or whatever in in Star Trek Adventures. So they're they're really excited about that. And we've we've seen a lot of people, you know, it was it was it was kind of cool. Um, uh, and we might get into this a bit more later, but you know, we, we refreshed the model of the Odyssey uh, class, the flagship USS Enterprise um for the book because i wanted it to you know <laughs> you can't patch a book right so you you want to make sure that the book has the best art it can and that model was really old so um so i think seeing that and like that kind of shocked people because uh, we didn't really announce it or anything it was just sort of like people uh sto players got the book because they heard the sto ships were in it and then they got to the page with the odyssey and they're like oh wow this is like totally different what what's this about you know and so that's that's generated uh some buzz too nice. uh, which has been really great nice so always nice so we can surprise our fans once in a while <laughs> yeah yeah everybody wants, wants to be on the leading edge of info and, and knowledge so that's cool well today what we're going to be doing is focusing on the fleet uh, we're going to be focusing on chapter four of the Utopia Planitia book and asking questions to Thomas and Aaron, since they are our resident experts on everything Starship design, about what stands out to them about those chapters, what they want you to know about those chapters. And what's really cool about this episode, it's scheduled to air on October 14th, which is a day before the Saturday event of Fleet Week. And this is a partnership between Modifius, Star Trek Online, and Streampunks. Streampunks, of course, you know, clear skies and all that. Great, great, great uh, demonstration of how to play Star Trek Adventures. So this is kind of a really good good addition to to that week, to Fleet Week. Uh, which yeah, absolutely. We'll talk to yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll, I'll also add that uh, by the time this airs, the PDF by itself of Utopia Planitia will be available for sale uh, on drive mm-hmm. in the two web stores. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you don't already, folks, if you don't have it already, by all means, go grab it. If you don't want to pre-order the print copy, Although, why would you skip out on the awesome print copies? Because they look <laughs> fantastic, right? The, the, uh, I, I haven't seen the actual, I haven't seen the actual physical book yet, but um, I've seen pictures <laughs> and it looks great. Uh, but the PDF, for those of you who don't aren't ready or don't can't can't afford the the print version, that's cool. Uh, the the PDF is available right now as of the airing of this. Not 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 while we're recording it, obviously, but uh, it's imminent upon us. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. uh, hopefully, hopefully you'll get a chance to grab it and uh, and check it out. Yeah, fortunate happenstance. I didn't plan this, Jim, but it's just when this episode is going to premiere happened to be during Fleet Week. So the yeah. universe is coming together. <laughs> you know, this 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 book has been weirdly charmed from the beginning. So I will just say that this book has gotten all the good luck. And, uh, you know, some of our books, I don't want to say any of them were cursed, but like the Klingon Core book got really awkward because of COVID. And it took a long time to come out. And it, it, there was like a, there was like a pre-release PDF and there was a later PDF. It was just a, I don't want to say it was a mess, but it was just like really wonky because of all the stuff that was involved. But this book has picked up all the good luck. So I, I'm, I'm just uh, grateful for that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's get started. I mean, I love jumping in since we have the writers right here and the designers of the ships, uh, starting with your favorite pieces that you want people to notice, the stuff you're in love with. I'll go alphabetical by first name. Aaron, why don't you get started with this? <laughs> Something that you wanted to, to make sure we know about Chapter 4 of Utopia Planitia. The thing, the little tiny sections in each starship section, uh, entry, I should say, are, I I think, little nuggets of gold that if you look through them, you might notice specific things that 
will tweak your interest. Like the primary shipyards, this might be some sort of throwaway thing that most people wouldn't really think about, but I even use it to try to tell little stories about the ships. Um, like who's building them, starships being built outside of human solar system, you know, the solar system or uh, human settlements. Hey, look, there's more shipyards out there than just around Mars. Um, how how Starfleet really was built from multiple different places and it just kind of grew together into this consolidated whole. Or even showing with the early ship classes how starship uh star bases might have developed from more modern to us ish shipyards like Newport news or, you know, things like that, that would then develop into these larger shipyards. Uh, and the naming conventions I think are really important because the little names in there should also tell stories or at least pique your interest in having a ship out there as an MPC that your, your crew might encounter and what that ship might entail. Um, you know, like, like, a, I always, I always like using that because that's such an important little piece of space history that most people tend to forget. Is there a mythos as to why generally the star, the Federation frames, the Starfleet frames had a similar look? Was there one culture that influenced more than others? Is there a mythos around that? Well, it's a lot of different reasons, but I, I I think that the beta canon explanation is that during the Earth-Romulan War, that Earth-designed spacecraft were generally the core of, star, obviously, Starfleet, but also the fight against the Romulans. And since humans generally had technology that they had developed on their own and wasn't based off of Vulcan-derived technologies and Romulan-derived technologies that, uh, Vulcan and Romulan, I should say, they're, they're, they're kind of the same, uh, that they were the best suited to actually go forward and be a little bit surprising in the push outwards into the unknown where the Romulans still might be lurking. Got it. Okay, interesting. Thomas, what about you? What's your take and uh, or what's your part that you want us to make sure to know and people who are picking up the book to know about chapter four? Well, I want to I want to kind of piggyback off what Aaron said, because I thought it was really cool when I had to write all that stuff for the STO ships. I had to sort of like consider like, oh, what uh, what you know, what are the primary shipyards that would build the Gagarin class or the, the Sutherland class? And um, you know what uh what what is the naming conventions for these ships and it was a fun it was a fun mental exercise to to go that deep on them and i appreciated the prompts you know um uh, as far as um you know about you know I, i'm obviously very focused on on the sdo ships that uh, that we put in i think the um it, it was fun making up the um the notable starships um and uh I, I think we mentioned it on a previous podcast or i don't know if it was um modcon or something but um i actually got to put a little easter egg in there of a one of the players uh a, a star trek online player who is a really fantastic artist um and done a lot of star trek online fan art and so i put a little tribute to her in for the garen's notable starship it's actually based on the ship that she played in the game so like writing those little unit histories was was a, a ton of fun and and putting in some some star trek online history and lore into into the ships was uh was cool to like i said get it sneak in um 
something deeper than just you know the ship images, but also some of the the lore from the game and and the missions that you can play in the game. So if somebody um, uh, SDA player sees um, one of these entries and then uh, and then goes to try out Star Trek Online, they you know they'll have a cool moment when they're playing the game, like oh I remember reading about that, right? Um, and so I think that's that's it's cool that it works both ways. Yeah. I imagine there's people who are playing Star Trek online, you know, doing the, the doing the entire video gaming and then coming into Star Trek adventures with their friends and playing uh, uh, more like the away team mission and a little bit of the slower, more role playing piece of it. Do you hear about that a lot? Um, well, we definitely hear there are quite a few Star Trek Adventures games that are b- being set in Star Trek Online in that era now with with Star Trek Online ships. And I've seen the, quite a few of those being streamed, uh, which has been a lot of fun for me. Um, and, you know, I don't know if I've heard of anybody doing what you're saying in terms of like playing an STA, <clears throat> like mixing the two like that, which could be would be cool. That would have been something I think. Uh, would have been easier to do maybe back in um, back a long time ago when we still had our Foundry user generated content tool. Um, uh, rest in peace. But <laughs> um, but now, I mean, our 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 um, I think if you were gonna do that, you would probably build your campaign around the the storyline of Star Trek Online so that you have like oh we were you know we were doing this during this event in the game and then and so you could play the the mission in the game. And then, and then, you know, do or play play your tabletop session, and then play the mission, in the game together, or vice versa. Um, but that would be fun. I'm not sure if I've heard anybody uh, doing it quite like that yet. But uh, here's I mean, an idea. I, yeah, I mean, I would love to see someone live streaming, you know, the game Clear Sky style, and then all of a sudden switch to a battle sequence played in Star Trek yeah. Online <laughs> with be the cool. same ship. I mean, that would be just. Yeah. I, I know someone's going to do it if they haven't already done it. Yeah. And that would be good for a sort of a campaign where everybody is a captain and you're doing like a squadron level mm-hmm. campaign, right? Because because uh, in Star Trek Online, every player is a captain of their own ship. So, you um, you know, if you're going to have a, a space battle, everybody would be and you have a whole party, everybody would be flying their own ship um, in the in the mission. Are you stirring when I when I. When I stroke my non-beard, that means I'm <laughs> crafty riffing thoughts. Earlier with that. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about that. We've talked a lot about the ship as a character, and I wanted to delve a little deeper into that with chapter four. Um, because we ha- definitely have the notable ships. And what I mean by notable ships is the ones we're familiar with, you know, Voyager, Enterprise, Defiant. Uh, uh, we have those ships in there. But we have some other ones that I'm dying to hear people make stories off of. And and so if you could talk to us, um, both Aaron and Thomas, a little bit about the notable starship box that's in each one of these write-ups. What was the intent of it? How would you suggest people use it? Um, I would use it as like a jumping off point for stories. Honestly, you could use that as the basis for your own campaign. Hey, here's the story that happened right before our characters took command and came on board the ship. Or I have an adventure, a mission that we're going off on, and the ship that was this notable vessel was involved with the prequel, basically, to what we're dealing with, or was somehow influenced events that we're now dealing with today. And so you have to research 
what that ship did. You know, I remember there was that ship called Enterprise that in, uh, encountered that illness that made people act drunk. And mm-hmm. yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Okay. Now that we've done the research, now we sort of know what's going on. It has something to do with water molecules being messed with. And okay, great. It's that sort of thing. Using it as a springboard for your own imagination, however you want to use it, it's there for you. It's there as a story nugget, or at least several story nuggets in each one of those. Yeah. Jim, I'm tempted to riff. I mean, the one that's getting me right now, I'll tell you right now, is the Hiawatha. So, so mm. I'm a big Jet Reno fan um, from Discovery. She's she's my second favorite character then. And the ship design al- alone on that one is beautiful. Now, is this ship design from STO also? It's an STO ship? No, the Hiawatha is, um, is from Star Trek Discovery. It's a canon okay. ship. Just Discovery, so it doesn't show up in STO at all yet. Uh, not yet. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> as an example, I mean, when we first come across the Hiawatha class, it's crashed. It's 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 mm-hmm. crashed into an asteroid, I believe it was in yep. Discovery, right? But but a fascinating medical frigate that that has so many applications in in Star Trek. So someone could just adopt it, use the USS Respite. The Respite is an actual vessel that Jet Reno was on, is it, Aaron? I I don't think so. No. no. Um. I yeah. No. The respite. The I, I wrote the respite based on the U.S. Navy's own medical ship. Okay. That's what the name comes from. Yeah. So so I the reason I'm pointing this out is if GMs or players. If you're looking for a ship and you're in the era, you happen to be in the Discovery era, the first two seasons uh, Discovery era, you can grab all this information. If you like me are just fascinated by this one vessel. You can read this page of information and just take it from there. Set it maybe maybe before it even crashed. Have it, you know, when Jet Reno came on, maybe three years before, and just play up to that point with so many modules that are available in the Discovery campaign. Good idea, Jim. Was that something that you would you would run? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the that's the thing that's got me most excited about this book is uh, you know I remember back in the day, and I know I talked about this on some of the other podcasts and videos that we've done, but. Uh, you know, I grew up on the fastest of the FOSA system and the, the ship recognition manuals that they came out with and the uh, the old uh, next generation officers manual that was full of the ship classes that they designed on their own that they thought kind of sort of fit the the aesthetic of the galaxy class and the nebula class, you know, based on what little information they had from the first season of next gen and having a chance to look at some of the production sketches and notes and stuff, right? They just kind of extrapolated from there. And uh, I remember, you know, flipping through those books all the time, coming up with stories for all these different classes and of ships, right? And uh, and now we have the advantage of having just a ton of canonical ships and the graphics and all this great lore that that Aaron and Thomas have created for all these different classes. And it's like, I you know, I told you, like when I was editing this chapter, I would find myself stopping over and over again because I would just get these ideas for stories or, or campaigns to run based on these ships that we have we've only known for three or four years like like discovery introduced a whole bunch of new classes of ships uh plus there's a whole bunch of um uh ships that we were able to go into more detail on that were like um kit bashes on screen right so they were like they like for the battle of wolf 359 the model makers needed just random little wrecked ships in the backgrounds and so they kind of kit bashed a bunch of stuff and of course the fandom picked up on that and like oh what's that class what's that class what's that class and they figured out from the wreckage, what did the thing look like before it was wrecked? And all of a sudden you've got all these different classes of ships. And it's like, okay, let's, they're canon. They're canon now because they're on screen. So let's 
let's put them in the book. And, uh, you know, Aaron, and you did a great job just adding so much cool detail and lore. And uh, like, I'm thinking now, like as a game master, I kind of want to just run like a bunch of anthology episodes or like one shots or even like maybe like really limited run things where I like, I grab a really cool class of ship, run a three session story about it and then go on to the next one. And like, I don't know what that <laughs> looks like. I don't know if that's like, you know, using a space station as the hub for stories and then doing just like a whole bunch of offshoot stories um, based on a bunch of different classes. I don't know what that looks like. I'm just, I'm just spitballing, but like, that's where my brain has been is like, there's so much cool material in here, you know, and I'm not patting us on the back. I'm just talking as a game master and I'm a huge, huge Star Trek fan. Like there's so much cool material in here, like, like the Hiawatha and the, um, the, the, the Olympic, like those are the two medical focused ships. And like, I would love to do a medical campaign um, or a medical one shot, or just like a really cool medical focused story and use one of those two ships. Like, you know, that's, that's the great thing about this game is that, We've got one for the original series era and we've got one for the next gen era. So like pick your era that you like, there's a ship there for you, you know, and it, it just the, the, the fact that we have so many ships in this book now, you know, from the very beginning all the way into STO means that, that the story potential that game masters and players can come up with is, has just grown exponentially. Right. I mean, even to the point, like I, I know, you know, I said, I'm sure you guys are familiar with this too. Um, you know, I, when I'm when I'm playing Star Trek, wh whether it's STA or some former version of the game or homebrew or whatever, like I tended to go into a lot of detail on my character backstory, right? To the point where I would I would lay out here's the five or six ships that he or she served on, and here's a couple of interesting stories about what that ship got into. You know, did it get destroyed? Did it get damaged or whatever? And it was always really important to me to be able to pick out what class was that ship, what was its registry number, what was its name, and then what was it really good at doing. And, and like to translate that into Star Trek Adventures terms, it'd be like, what was its mission profile? What were its talents? It's, you know, what was it good at doing? And, uh, and, and now like, there's just so much more material now to play with. Like, it's not just the, it's not just the, the, the traditional ones that I knew and loved for years and years, you know, it's not just the nebula and the galaxy and the constitution and the Excelsior and the Miranda. Like we've got a bigger vocabulary now because there's so many more classes to play with that we can confidently um, you know, pin beta canon. Like I feel like, I mean, this entire book is mostly beta canon, right? Because it's, I mean, a lot of it's not official on screen stuff, but, you know, certainly the pictures are, and some of the, some of the details are, are certainly canonical, um, mm -hmm. or was really, really well thought out, um, you know, by Aaron and by Thomas and by, you know, the, the CBS folks or the Paramount folks. Um, so it, it just all, it feels right, right? It feels like it fits into the, into the setting. Uh, so anyway, I'm rambling, so I'll stop. But, but yeah, yeah just really, just just a wealth of cool stuff just to play with and uh, more tools for your toolbox, toolbox, right? No, yeah, you sparked a new question for me, though. So, Thomas, I'm actually curious. This is more of a Star Trek online question because we heard a little bit about how these ships ended up in here, a lot from Beta Cannon. Aaron also, you know, looked at that Frankenstein fleet um, kind of stuff from, from Wolf 359. Uh, but, Thomas, how how does... In the Star Trek Online process, how do you all decide what new ships you're going to add, what new classes of ships you're going to add into the game? Yeah, I mean, usually, you have, obviously, we want to start with the canon ones. And so anytime they add uh, a new canon ship, that gets moved towards the top of the list. Um, you know, we're con the game's been around for uh, almost 13 years, and we're constantly adding new ships um, as we go. 
And, um, and a lot of it, you know, I, I think people generally like to be the heroes. So the Federation ships are far and away our most popular ship, just like, you know, that's why you focus on Starfleet ships for, for the Utopia Planitia book. Um, but, um, I think, uh, at some point it's, it's, it's just this whole cocktail of things of like, um, uh, is it, you know, is it recent and is it what, how much did you see it? You know, did you see the ship a lot? Was it just in one shot? Did it have a cool special ability that people get really excited about? Um, uh, did you, um, you know, like, uh, is there, is there a kind of a hole missing up in our, in our lineup, for example, like have we just never done this ship before, or do we have an older version of it, but we don't have what we call a tier six, which is kind of the current end game stat block version of it. So it's a, it's just a whole so does it fill a a need in our lineup? Because we release ships, we have a cadence of like, you know, escort cruiser, science vessel, you know, that kind of thing where we want to make sure we're not releasing like five science vessels in a row, right? We want to make sure there's variety in what we release, right? So we're looking at at our release cadence and saying, okay, well, we we need an escort around here. What's a is there a canonical escort we haven't done yet? Uh, no, we've done all the canonical escorts. Okay, well, what's what's a non-canonical escort is like an STO version. Uh, uh, of a ship that we could make um, that would fill in that hole. So it's um, it's a lot of different considerations to to decide like if we're going to do something canonical or non-canonical. Uh, if we're going to like try to make a STO version of something. If we already have a canon design, then you know in the game that people can can fly, then we might say okay, we're going to take that like an Akira for example, and now we're going to make a some other spin on the design visually where it's like oh this is a 25th century version of the Akira or you know um this is a we flirted with the idea of doing a, a motion picture era Vesta at one point um which we didn't end up doing but that's the kind of thing that we sort of think about making these pastiches um because people people like they they like cannon ships, but they also really like the idea of taking a cannon ship and then re remixing it almost through a, a different filter. It's like, oh, I oh well, that I want a TOS Miranda, right? Or I want a um you know a TNG um, Constitution, or you know, a, 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 so it's that kind of thing where you like you can just sort of take these styles and apply them to other designs and then people get really excited about it's like oh cool i always wanted a motion picture akira right we don't have that in the game but that's something that you know fans have asked for or we, uh, an example we do have is like a motion picture um nx01 uh, which we did a few years ago which uh, people liked or a um a discovery excelsior like discovery era excelsior right so just crazy stuff but people really like those kinds of pastiches do you have a quota of how many ships you're pumping out a month or a year um uh it's usually about two or three a month um depending um and then two 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 like usually it's two ships uh it averages out to be like two ships a month of like new stats but we're making about 40 40 ish models a, a year um and that's we're doing a lot of that to like remaster old models um or making new variants of like existing stats or whatever so it's um it's a you know it just sort of depends on what our opportunity is yeah this goes to a great question um and and Next week, we're airing an episode with um, 
Jody Hauser, Jackson Lansing, and Fred Love, who worked on the Star Trek Year Five comic and the adaptation. Oh, nice. Star Trek Adventures. And this is kind of melding two conversations. I know um, we recorded it before we're airing this one just before mm-hmm. the week. But something came up where we were talking about there's just so much Star Trek goodness out there right now that people can really make what they want. Both It sounds like both in Star Trek uh, Online and Star Trek Adventures. And if, and Jim, Thomas, you're probably the best to answer this question. Are we seeing that happen? Are we seeing, at first people were like, oh, there's so much truck on TV. And now we're seeing it's marketed to different audiences, infinite diversity, infinite combinations. Are, do we think we're at the threshold of really just, just more mass Star Trek happening because of all these available options? I'm just curious what you think about that. Yeah, uh, I think so. I mean, I think I think that's kind of the cool thing about Star Trek. And I think it's a, it is a smart, thing that the people running the franchise now are doing where it's we want to make sure that there is a there's a star trek out there for everybody it's like well if if discovery isn't your cup of tea well you've got strange new worlds or you've got lower decks right like they're they're kind of turning this into a thing where you can find the niche that you really like some people are like oh it's all star trek it's all good right and that's great but some people you can focus i mean i think i think fans just need to understand that that it's okay if something isn't for you right like just be like okay let other people enjoy that and i don't if that's not for you awesome like you don't have to love it you know but all the old star trek still exists and you've got star trek online and you've got all these things um that you can you can enjoy uh if you want to um but you can you know just lean into what you like and and don't worry so much if if there's something out there that's not for you that's okay not everything has to be for you but but embrace the fact that there is a lot out there that is for you and and play sto or play star trek adventures and make the star trek that you want to see right like we're giving you the tools to do that to to participate in in your star trek uh, tv show essentially so um you know put a little elbow grease in there and and have some fun with it well said yeah absolutely I, i i don't know that i can add really anything more to that other than to say there's so much star trek now i mean it's 56 years you got novels, you got comic books, you got video games, you got 11 series, you got 13 movies. I mean, if you love Star Trek, any Star Trek, just just remind yourself of what Idic is and focus on the stuff you like and don't worry about the stuff you don't like. Like, just accept that some people are going to like the stuff that you don't like and some people won't like the stuff that you do like. And that's OK. Right. Like, like Thomas just said, it's totally OK to do that because there's just so much of it. There's a thousand hours plus of star trek on screen not to mention just the 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 reams and reams and millions and millions and millions of words that have been written for star trek in novels and comic books etc etc so like like there's something for everybody like literally and i mean sorry we talked about this before that star trek as a as a storytelling vehicle can fit pretty much every genre of story and it'll still work like, you know, you have the science fiction trappings and but like you can have horror, you can have comedy, you can have broad comedy, you can have uh, romance, terror. I mean, just anything you want is in here somewhere. And um, and, and like Thomas said, you've got we we are super lucky to be in this day and age where we have so many tools available to us to tell whatever Star Trek story we want, whether it's an RPG or a video game or um, or I'm sure there's other venues out there. Like, uh, I mean, you can take the Star Trek Adventures rule set and, and uh, I mean, you could, we, we probably have to figure it out, but like, I'm sure you could, uh, you could play it like a solo journaling game with it, right? And just mm-hmm. make it happen. Like, if you want to play it by yourself, play it by yourself. If you want to play with a group of friends, play with a group of friends. 
Uh, there's just so much possibilities here. So uh, um, I, I think I'll, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm getting to be old and I'm getting kind of tired of people that hate on Star Trek or <laughs> a specific Star Trek because they're like, okay, well, so what? We don't care. There's, there's so much other Star Trek that you can love. So go love on that yeah. and let other people enjoy the stuff that you don't like. It's not a big deal. <laughs> well, I, and I want to add to that too. Next, I'm, I'm, I don't give spoilers, but next week, Boyd, is a point made by Jackson Lansing and Jody Hauser about that point. And just mm-hmm. I'm resonating off of it. Yeah. But what I like about this, like going even to Utopia Planitia chapter four, again, with all the variety of ships, we're living in a day and age now where if you are really passionate about Star Trek and you decide maybe blog about the adventures of your ship or write up something creative, you don't know who's going to notice you. Um, we talked before with Nathan Dowdell in our interview with him a couple uh, weeks back where myself, Jim, and um, Nathan all got our start. Just, you know, we weren't doing it for money. We were just passionate about Star Trek and then someone noticed. Um, and same thing with, a lot of the creatives out here and if you love star trek make your own story it enables you to do that share it with others and join the community which enables you and so to me it amazes me i i don't think that there's another i'm I'm probably going to be wrong about this so i'm not going to say it Mm -hmm. i don't know another franchise where they make ships such a great personality that it becomes part of your story intrinsically and and can get people engrossed into your story because maybe they're fascinated with that particular ship or something like that. So my, pardon my ignorance if I don't know everything happening out there. <laughs> but um, for Star Trek, I know I, I'm, this is the first time I've seen a book where you're, you're basing it and celebrating the ships of the line in there, right? Thomas and Aaron, other things that we should know um, that about chapter four, um, you know, what inspired you and what your main focus maybe was with that chapter? I liked referencing other science fiction uh, ideas or let's say stories in some of the names of the ships. I know that a couple people have actually seen a few of the references, but um, there's like a couple really, I would say vague ones. And the one I should probably point out is Balak Papan, which is the, which is the Daedalus class. That's really obscure and it would probably only make sense to me and that's why I have to bring it up. But I mean, it, it boils down to all these names that I use are generally jumping off points for ideas. But Balak Poppin comes from um, a really interesting book series called The Destroyerman by Taylor Anderson. And I don't know if any of you have actually read this, but it all centers on this world war ii destroyer crew that falls through a hole in in time and space and they end up on a different earth and Hmm. they're off on their own and they end up in on an earth that is also fighting a war but it's with non-humans and there are cities that are named after cities on our earth because they encountered humans from our world before and one of the cities is balak poppin down in the down in the um south pacific so I kind of wanted to give an, uh, a nod to that book series as, hey, look, that's kind of a neat name. Um, I, I appreciate these other stories that sometimes seep into my mind after reading them for quite a while. And hey, if you get the reference, you get the reference and we can move on. That's cool. I love treasures like that. Knowing that makes me always go back and I feel like read it again. So I appreciate that for sure. Thomas, what about you? Um, I think, you know, we've, uh, we've covered a lot of it already. I think the, um, 
I think it's it was it was fun to uh to go into the uh kind of the, the the history and the capabilities kind of divorced from the game but one of the things i really enjoyed um was taking some of the abilities from the game and then like trying to figure out how does that would that translate to sta and like how to make a special ability based on these like really crazy you know console powers we have in star trek online so console powers are just you know unique abilities every ship has when you buy a ship you get a special ability you can use for that ship for so like saucer separation the galaxy class is an example right and so so some of these uh so taking the you know the console power that came with the ship and then figuring out like okay well how would this apply in the sta combat environment or uh or, or ship you know ship role playing or whatever and um the i i was uh I wasn't sure you were gonna you were gonna let me do it, but the Aquarius on the Odyssey, I was very pleased that that survived. <laughs> my, talk to my, us about that. Uh, what'd you say? Wait, talk to us about that. Why oh well, so that? the you know the Odyssey class is a huge starship, right? It's it's um uh it's longer, much longer than a Galaxy class ship, and so um uh I had it um actually actually be a skill seven which is massive and gives it you know extra extra ability uh extra capability and um uh and one of the things that the the odyssey class does because it's so big is it actually has an embedded we call it an, in the game call it an embedded escort which is a little like frigate size ship that it is docked in the ship it's kind of like a multi-vector assault mode on the prometheus but it can detach this frigate size ship and eventually you know it's essentially defiant sized so the the special rule for the odyssey class is like you can essentially summon a defiant class ship to come and fight with you <laughs> uh, and then the the idea to i don't know balance is really a, a thing in this case but the idea is that uh, if you use the uh aquarius because the aquarius power systems are supplementing and crew are supplementing the odyssey when they're docked it actually reduces the scale of the ship while you have the the other ship flying around right as just sort of a counterbalance so um it's just Makes kind sense. of a, yeah it's just kind of a fun thing and just sort of a wild like you know the odyssey is is meant to be sort of like the most powerful ship that starfleet has ever built right and so um so how do you communicate that in the rules and that was something that you know i tried to make clear that like if you're you know if you're in an odyssey you're doing a campaign on an odyssey you should be you know fighting board cubes every other day right like you should be going after the hardest toughest missions that starfleet has because you're in the most powerful starship that starfleet's ever made i, I still don't think it's tough enough for a board cube <laughs> personally <laughs> kind of scary so don't everyone out there don't get cocky and just <laughs> into the delta quadrant yeah i mean when, when i read it timeless i really liked the idea because it was something different and it's something we hadn't really seen before and it was an evolution of everything that we've seen you know going an evolution of like the galaxy class and having the little uh the little captain's yacht underneath it and then the voyager having the aero shuttle it's just an evolution i mean it was not just but it was an evolution of that and i was like sure why not i mean i could easily envision playing a game with the Odyssey, with, with an Odyssey class ship, like out there pushing the envelope of the outer edge of the Federation out there on their own. Why not have a, a fairly powerful escort supporting them to help them out? I mean, it's almost like the Odyssey's, you know, at that point, it's almost like a mini, a mini star base unto itself, right? 
right, uh, with yeah. so, so much capability and stuff. So I was like, oh, this is so cool because um, it, it literally is even more tools for a game master and a group of players to think about and play with, and like expand your possibilities beyond what we've known in the 24th century that, uh, you know, by the time Voyager and Nemesis came out, we're like, okay, what's next? <laughs> and and yeah. of course, you know, they went on to other things. And fortunately, you know, the STO kind of carried it forward and came up with just some, some amazing ideas. And now the producers are kind of coming back to it with Lower Decks and Picard a little bit. Um, I'm really curious to see what they do with season three of Picard as to like, what's, what's that going to look like? Because I know a lot of fans like me, you know, we grew up on Next Gen and DS9 Mm. And Voyager, like we want to know, okay, where, how's that piece of the story continue? What's happening in the Alpha Quadrant? What's happening in the Beta Quadrant? Right. Um, yeah. And uh, and just really curious to see what all that looks like. And uh, in the meantime, we've got we've got STO and all the great great content you've created over 13 years. It's hard to imagine. hard to believe it's been that long. I just I, I, I can't. Wrap my <laughs> yeah. <head around> that. <laughs> You're telling me. I mean, I've been yeah. working on the game for like 12 of those years. So. Wow, that's <laughs> awesome. Very cool. So- and some of the game masters guidance we continually give, and this couples with the last show we did with Thomas and Aaron, is is make the game what you want of it too. We talked one show about how to build and how to use space frame, space frames and how to assign points, and then we're looking at these fantastic ships like the Odyssey. We know that we're going to have a whole bunch of new ships in the thirty second century um, as we explore Discovery more, and um, don't let yourself be pressured. Um, I'm not giving spoilers to what we talk about next week. I promise not to use the word until next week. You have to tune in. But don't be pressured by people who who aren't open to the change. It's your storytelling. It's you're writing your story. Just like an STO, you're designing your ship the way you want it to look. Um, it's for you. The, the game is for you. And so that's what I get out of this. Uh, again, is that these are great frames to use as a basis. You can stick with them and use exactly what's designed in here. Or you can tweak them to do amazing things that no one's ever seen before on TV. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You should be able to say, hey, look, I want it, I want my New Orleans class starship, but maybe this one's built, you know, in Andor. So instead of having modular laboratories, it has like a rapid fire torpedo system. It's it's my story. I wanna I wanna tell it. I really like the style of the New Orleans class, but I wanna just, you know, tweak mm-hmm. it a little bit, make it your own, make it your story. We are we have just given you ideas to jump off from. And then yeah. share with us too in the community, right? right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Share, share with the community. Share uh, with the, uh, um, um, the you know all the different Facebook groups, Discord groups, etc. But also go to uh, Continuing Mission. Like it's the it's the premier it's the premier STA fan site for a reason, right? There's so much great content on there. So go add to it. But yeah, I'll just echo what you were saying and just say, look, um, I, I know especially newer gamers like they look at the printed books. And they're like, that's the truth, right? That that's 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 the game canon. And I've been kind of trying to, like, over the last five years with this game, it's like I've been trying to encourage people, like, look, you know, honestly, we're a we're a group of hardcore Star Trek fans and gamers. This is our best guess, right? But this is not canon, right? We we you know, Paramount does not have a secret library of what they think all these ships should be, and we're hewing to that, right? We're just making a, a guess based on what we've seen on screen. And based on our collective knowledge and Aaron's collective knowledge and everybody else's collective knowledge to say, okay, here's what we think a, a galaxy class looks like stat wise for this game. Right. And, and our opinion, which is what this is, and just because we happen to be in the position to print our opinion, which is kind of nice, but uh, <laughs> ultimately it's our opinion. Like if you don't agree with it, change it because like this system is so flexible 
you're not going to like screw up the balance. You're not going to screw up the, the challenge ratings of anything by tweaking the numbers or whatever. Like you're just going to have a different experience at the game table with your group of players. So like if, if, if you want to get into a long involved debate with Aaron and Nathan and myself online about why the galaxy class has a, like a 10 structure when it should have, when you're absolutely confident it should have a nine, then, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to fight you over. We're not going to die on that. Bill. Go change it. <laughs> You know, we're not going to come to your house and tell you, no, 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 the galaxy has, it's right there in the book, you know, read the book. Um, Cause it's, again, it's just tools. It's just our guests. So like, if you, if you have a different vision, then by all means, you know, change it. it, it we've given you everything uh, tool wise that you could possibly need to change these space frames or create your own, right? It's all in this one book. It's all here. So go have fun and make like literally anything you can imagine. Uh, Cause that's really at this point, that's your only limitation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have, I have one last question for Thomas and then, you know, maybe we get into the wrap up here and we'll plug fleet week, fleet week a little bit. Thomas, is there some, again, part of my ignorance, is there some sort of award for STO ship design? Like if fans are designing ships, is there any kind of competition for that? Um, so we've, we've done a couple different um, contests in the past. I mean, the enterprise F actually was from a fan contest. Um, oh, really? Uh, yeah, back in, in 2011, um, we wanted a new enterprise for Star Trek Online because it takes place, you know, back then there was no Picard, right? So um, it was 30 years after Nemesis. Um, and um, and so we were like, okay, we want a new enterprise. And so we talked to CBS about designing a new enterprise. And it was because they had done the Design the Titan contest and we're happy with how that turned out. They said, well, we're going to do, let's do a Design the Enterprise contest. And so um, we got a bunch of fan submissions for it and um, and took the the winning design by Adam Eile, <laughs> excuse me, Adam Isle. And, um, and then, you know, the cryptic artist did their spin on it, right? Um, and put it into the game. Um, and so that, uh, so we did that. So the enterprise itself is actually kind of a fan design in that way. Um, and then we've also done other things where we have, we've had sort of, um, bracket, uh, competitions where it's like, we'll do like, um, let's design this ship with a community and we'll have different, um, options that people can vote for and so fans will vote well i like option a better or like uh, option b better and then like you know it collapses down into you know kind of like a march madness kind of thing where and then like you end up with the thing that most people have voted for uh at the end and so that's kind of a community driven design <laughs> art direction by <laughs> by community um but those have been fun uh, we've done those a few times over the course of the, the course of the history of the game that sounds super fun. So I just, again, I'll, I'll compliment one last applaud to Star Trek, always getting the fans involved in, in the design of, of almost everything. Yeah, so, well, one more thing I do want to say is we don't, it's not really a competition, but we do have a live stream every Tuesdays uh, for Star Trek Online called 10 Forward Weekly, uh, run by our community manager. You can watch it on the Cryptic Studios Twitch channel, which I think is just twitch.tv slash Cryptic Studios, which incidentally, that's where Fleet Week will be uh tomorrow <laughs> when you're watching this um but um uh but every week people submit their fan art and it's shared on that uh on that live stream so if you do want to see some star trek fan art and some star trek online screenshots you can tune in to send forward weekly and get a healthy dose of it nice really nice i love that i i you know people think that what i think people don't realize sometimes when they're playing the game is that as creators, we are eager to see this. Um, I was mm-hmm. I tuned into a, a game today on Twitch. 
myself and Aaron did a little bit. And we're just excited listening to people play the game. Um, and we're commenting on it. You know, we're trying not to stress <laughs> them out that they have the writers of the modules there. Listening to them. <laughs> nice. But yeah. I just think, again, another wonderful thing about Star Trek Adventures. Aaron, you want any final comments? Anything you want to share before we start wrapping up? No, just really enjoy the little the little nuggets that you find. If you find something that kind of tickles your funny bone in a lot of these entries, it's probably there for a reason. It's probably there to, to make you make connections in your head and go, oh, I can do that in a game. It's there for a reason. It's there for a reason. And I really want everyone that's watching and, and reading this book to enjoy those bits. Okay. All right, Jim, uh, let's get to a wrap up and pump up Fleet Week. Let's talk a little bit about it for those who maybe um, are late to the chase and this is you know they tune in friday morning at 6 a.m and pacific standard time to this and maybe never heard of fleet week before let's do a little pump up for that as to why they might want to tune in Jim. yeah i think uh i mean fleet weeks was our fleet week was uh just kind of um generated by thomas and myself and some of the folks uh at sto and uh and Medithius just kind of like throwing stuff around in an email and we said well why don't we make this a big event similar to what we did with the klingon uh, stuff a couple years ago and uh, we were all on board with it because like you know it's it's easy to uh, rel well it's relatively easy <laughs> to put together and then uh, we had a lot of energy behind it and it just happened and uh, you know we've got a lot of great resources out there in terms of like the schedule of events um, all the information that you need is out there all the panels that are coming up there's some great panelists like uh, Thomas I just I'm still envious of your deep Rolodex of uh, production <laughs> and talent that you're able to get to get to that we ha we just haven't had the opportunity yet. Uh, but now we're starting to make some inroads thanks mm -hmm. to you. And uh, you're going to see fruits of that probably in the next next year or so. But um, um, just I, I can't wait. I, I just need to figure out how to clear my schedule on Saturday so that I can attend everything just to watch <laughs> and enjoy it. In addition to actually being on the one uh, the one STA panel, but I want because I want to watch all these other panels. They're, they just look fascinating topics, great people. Um, really smart folks. So I just, I'm really looking forward to it. And I hope everybody else is too, not just on the panel, but just everybody watching this. I hope you have an opportunity to at least watch some of it. Um, I honestly don't know if it's going to be recorded or not. I, I will assume it's going to be recorded, but I don't, I don't know, Thomas, do you know offhand? Uh, I don't know yet. I mean, we're going to be doing it on zoom so we can at least yeah. record it. Uh, that way I'm going to talk to Mike and see what we can do about that. Um, I think the main issue is we just need to make sure, I don't know if Twitch has, um, the whatever or you know what cryptic has the whatever twitch partnership you le level you need to like keep video on demands right yeah. so that's the that's the trick but we'll we'll try to figure something out i, I really want it to be recorded as well yeah. um we just need to find a place for it once we do record them so um but yeah so i think the modifius panel i believe is at 4 p.m pacific uh tomorrow two? Two. Oh, two. okay yeah i don't know i don't have it in front of me two uh, yeah, but, so okay. no matter what yeah yeah, it is. It is too. So we'll do, uh, we're doing two and then I'll be on, I'll be on a couple panels throughout the day. Um, and then in the preceding week, I guess it will be of two, it will have been too late <laughs> by the time people listen to this, uh, there'll be other, other live streams and stuff. So, um, hopefully you got to check those out, but, um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And I really appreciate all your support, Jim and, and Michael and Aaron, uh, getting, getting all this together. I think it's going to be a great event. And, uh, you know, it's great to celebrate Star Trek spaceships. And, and I'm kind of hopeful, too, that that it's not just an event for people who are super into spaceships, but people who maybe like maybe they like some of these personalities that are going to show up and then they sort of 
come away from it with a deeper passion for the subject. Right. Um, and I, I, I hope that, uh, that that's the thing that happens. Well, I mean, we're living in an amazing time right now where, you know, we're watching satellites crash into asteroids right. you know, by design. Yeah. So, so, so really for so many, I mean, there, I, I don't think I can think of an astronomer or someone who works at NASA who's will claim they have not been inspired by Star Trek at some point in their life. So uh, to me, Flea Week is amazing because not only did you line up actual scientists who are working um, in, in the industry of aeronautics and science and physics and stuff like that, but then you have all these creatives from people who are doing live stream shows to writers like Aaron, Jim, you know, does, uh, if you're a graphic designer and have curious about how they're designing the ships, I mean, it's something for everybody, which really boggled my mind that you pulled that together so quick. So I'm really looking forward to uh, participating, but actually very interested in listening to the other panels myself too. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that's what we do on continuing conversation, folks. We dig deep. We're we're beyond <laughs> the book. We're beyond the screen. And we really get into the brain of the creatives and with the goal of inspiring you to tell your own Star Trek stories and continuing the conversation mm -hmm. with us. So um, I always like to do the shout outs. Um, I'll go ahead and start them off and then we'll go around. Uh, we'll do Aaron, Thomas, and in with Jim. I'm shouting out today Crossroads Games in Standish, Maine. Um, in fact, they're going to be uh, doing a Star Trek Adventures demo uh, within uh, the month of October also. So that's really great. Al Spader, one of our writers, uh, freelance writers for Star Trek Adventures um, and bloggers on Continuing Mission is going to run a demo game. So we really love when game masters breed game masters. Uh, so, so thank you for that, Al. And thank you, Crossroads Games in Maine for hosting. That's my thank you this week. Uh, let's give Aaron, Thomas, and then Jim your shout outs. Hmm. Boy, um, I went into a pretty cool gaming store on my last uh, trip for reenacting, doing historical reenacting, and it was mm -hmm. Top Cut Comics in Rockford, Illinois. Pretty cool. Sounds good. Hey, Top Cut. Nice. Uh, Thomas. Yeah, I want to shout out to Ash said... I think it's Ash said hi on Twitch. Uh, she's been streaming. She's new. She's she's been streaming a lot of retro games and stuff. But she just started playing Star Trek Online recently. So it's it's always fun seeing somebody play the game, you know, for the first time and getting into it, getting excited about it. So um, um, yeah, love it, love it. And Jim, take us out. Yeah, two shout outs. Uh, and these are both pretty broad, but I'll I'll throw them out there anyway. Um, I want to shout out. And I've done this before, but I want to do it again, mostly because at the very at the very top of the show, Thomas mentioned in passing that he was he was sketching starships when he was when he was a kid. And that reminded me that I was doing that, too. And I want to thank Matt Jeffries and everybody who was ever involved in Star Trek, um, sketching out starships, uh, designing starships, kit bashing them, making them physical models, CGI models, whatever, because I remember when I was a kid. Um, the, the shape of the constitution class ship was so simple that a six-year-old could figure it out with a circle, a plus sign and two lines. That's your enterprise top down. You're good to go. And I remember like hours and hours of an hours of scratch paper. I would, I would draw little, little, little stick enterprises and little stick birds of prey because the birds of prey is pretty much a simple, simple shape too. Right. Ultimately, mm -hmm. when you look at it from a kid's perspective, and I would do little pew pew battles with them and and, and stuff, and it was just ridiculous, but it was so fun. And and it's a testament to all those designers who probably knew, if not intentionally, but at least subconsciously, if we can make this a simple simple shape, simple and recognizable, your your job is done, right? Mm -hmm. and, and and it's and it's endured for fifty six. We years. could yeah, we could have all our 
this just discussion about that about yeah. the you know the power of simplicity and how yeah. you know ship design is actually like logo design or uh-huh. or like a cartoon character design right yeah. um so I, I mean like that was actually one of the things when they were designing um deep space nine they had all these really con- the initial con- the concepts from the script was like oh this is a essentially an oil refinery in space right and and um and so they had all these drawings of like super you know, giant oil rig kind of looking contraptions, very complicated, lots of pipes and stuff. And Rick Berman came in and he was like, it has to be something a child can draw. Right. And so then when, when they, when he laid that edict down, that's when you got the really iconic circle, the th- rings and the three pylons and everything like yeah. that. So, so yeah, it's, it's something that uh, I think is really part of the power of Star Trek ships and how they've endured for 50 years. Well, I will be taking note for a future show and you'll invite Tobias <laughs> along and some yeah, of the sure. other designers. And I think that would yeah. be an amazing show to to talk yeah. about in the future. Yeah. And, and, and Thomas, I love that you brought that example up because uh, I have the making a DS9 book and that's one of the sections I highlighted in it. Oh, uh, nice. Because <laughs> that Berman quote saying, it needs to be a simple shape that a kid from across the room can see. That's Star Trek and that's the ship. And it's just a simple design that they can draw you. So totally, I love it. I love yeah. that you brought that up. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so thanks to everybody involved in creating starships and designing starships and building starships, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the other thank you shout out that I want to do, of course, is always going to be to the fans, uh, the fans of this game and the fans of Star Trek in general. So supportive, so great. Uh, we could not possibly do this game without you. Um, it would just be going out into the void and then, you know, Medifius would stop making it. <laughs> uh, but uh, So thank you so much for all your support, all your criticisms, all your positive comments all the streams that you do online, like, you know, Michael, you said you were, you were, you, you dropped in on one the other day and I, like, I do that too. I don't make myself known. I'm just a, a voice. I, you know, I'm just a face in the list of names or whatever, but uh, I, I do peek in in the middle of the night on people that are posting and, and, uh, and streaming. Uh, Cause I just want to see what they're doing with the game. Like I, I don't say it for long. I only 15, 20 minutes. Cause that's, that's about what I can manage before I got to get on to other stuff. But uh, you never know who's watching. So I'm really excited to see what people do with this book. And start creating their own ships and you know even more of their own ships and their own environments and stuff just to see where this goes and uh um so thank you to all the fans i know we don't ever say it often enough so thank you everybody for all your support we're very very grateful i'm very grateful that's right tell us your stories we care all right so hopefully again you all tune in for fleet week tomorrow um the full day uh run uh which is available you'll see the the link uh posted with this article and until later, keep continuing bold or keep boldly going wherever your games will take you. IBIC. <laughs> be safe, be well, live long and prosper. We'll see you next time. Bye.